This is episode number 52 with Alan Bijan. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Snippets podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. My name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here at the American Snippets podcast, along with my partner, Barbara Allen, who is a Gold Star wife, speaker, and author. And it's our mission and purpose to bring positivity, possibility, and patriotism to every single household across this country. Again, if you're a first-time listener, uh, this podcast is a meaningful, meaningful platform that encourages national pride, promotes the American dream, emphasizes the upshot of giving back, and supports all who honorably serve. And on this show, on our podcast, we offer uh, entrepreneurial guidance, we offer principles on success, uh, and resources and tools that you can apply in your own life. Every guest that we feature here, every story, every message that we talk about uh, is a lesson, right? It's something that you can take uh, and apply in your own life. And all we ask from you as a, as a listener is to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. Uh, share this on social media. Tell a friend what we're doing here and you know, help us make an impact and, and spread this message of positivity and possibility and patriotism across this country. Uh, our guest today is an exceptional American. He is a film director and Emmy award-winning producer. His name is Alan Bijan. And his extensive professional credits include several projects with the legendary Chuck Norris. Uh, and his new film is called Flip Turn, which is based on the true story of a young autistic boy who becomes a swimming champion. Alan's American success story is made all the more remarkable by the fact that he is Iranian-born. And he came to this country all alone at the very young age of 15. Now he's an avid supporter of our military, a proponent of the American dream, and one of the proudest Americans we've ever had on the show. So listen in to Alan and Barbara Allen as Alan shares his story of being a teenager all alone in this country, having to learn uh, the culture, a new language. Uh, he knows the value of hard work, and he worked relentlessly towards all his goals. And you'll also learn how he came to work with Chuck Norris as well. And also listen in as we talk about his new film and its potential to raise funds to support the autistic community. Now, without further ado, here's, here is Barbara Allen with Alan Bijan. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. Once again, we talk all the time about the American dream and all the potential available to any of us in this country. We talk about people who live to their full potential in this country, in their own lives, and then turn around to help others get there. They do meaningful things on meaningful platform. Today's guest checks all of those boxes. I am so excited to have him here. I have the privilege of calling him my friend because he decides to slum it with me every now and then. But uh, today here, we talked him into joining us on American Snippets. He is going to share with us his story of coming to this country from his homeland, which I'll let him share with you. Uh, as a young child and what he discovered when he got here, the difference in lives between here and his in his home country and everything he has been able to accomplish, including so much time he has chosen to dedicate his time and his services, his Emmy award-winning services to the benefit of organizations like Snowball Express and Skyball, which I'm intimately involved in or was, and, uh, and how he gives back to the military in that way. 
Alan Dijon. I always mess up his name. People call him Alan. People call him Al. And whatever. He answers because he's so nice. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and honor to be uh, at your presence. Yeah, it is so cool. I got to meet you how many years ago at Snowball Express. Snowball Express is an organization which brings out families of the fallen to uh, one central location each year for a few days before Christmas to do all sorts of great things. And that's where I met you. Uh, but how long ago was that? Almost Roughly. 10 years ago. 10 uh, years. Yeah, because I've been, this is my uh, 11th year actually. So I believe it's been about 10 years. Yeah, but I think uh, it took a couple of years for you to talk to me. <laughs> I'm going so, through that. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. We'll, we'll overlook that. So um, tell, tell us about your company. There's so much to, to talk about first. You're a, a producer. You have your own company, Meteor World Studios, and you do really extraordinary things. You've met some amazing people. But let's start at the beginning because we want to emphasize, again, we talk about our, our community. We talk a lot about uh, reminding each other what is so special about this country in light of everything that we all know what's wrong with this country. We all know that. There's no amount of shortage of opinions on that. But we like to remind people the opportunities available in this country, what you can do with your life if you truly apply yourself, that there are good-hearted, hard-working, successful people like you in this country who sh shine the light on that path for others and turn around to help them. So we're going to talk about all of that in your life, how it slides right in there. So can we start at the beginning? Tell us all where you were born. Okay. I was born in Tehran, Iran, actually. Yeah. Uh, my mom's Persian. My dad is, uh, originally, he is from uh, the country Georgia, his, um, his heritage. And um, I was, um, you know, at age of 15, um, I told my parents that I want to move to United States. And... Um, they uh, they said, okay, actually. <laughs> I mean, just stop right there. I mean, I'm going to do this to you because, a lot because I, I love when I talk to people who do such wild things and such huge things, and it's just normal to them because that's their life, right? But you're like 15 years old. I was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, uh, I'm going to go to America. And they said, okay, son, good luck. I mean, I have teenagers, right? And I'm like, where are you going? Who are you going to be with? What's <laughs> So the courage of you and your parents we're going to stop and acknowledge that right there. Now you can move on. Um, I just, I knew from, uh, I mean, once I turned, I guess, to a teenager and I, you know, discovered myself and, and I've always had a, a passion for filmmaking and camera and all that stuff since very young age, which my parents helped me out, um, you know, by setting uh, incentives for me. Hey, pass with good grades and we'll buy you a camera. Awesome. We'll buy you a projector. Because when I grew up, you know, we didn't have all these video cameras and everything available. So it was an actual, like a, a real film, like a super 8 millimeter camera. And uh, I think my dad probably spent a, a, like a whole month of salary just buying me one. Now. And uh, so, uh, you know, they knew what I loved to do. And I wanted to chase my dream and wanted to continue my education. Um, and I just, for some reason, I knew I was belong here. And uh, so, so they thought like, I'm going to go and just like, you know, study and then come back. And I, nope. you know, I remember when I told <laughs> myself, once I leave, I'm not coming back. And um, they're like, sure, you know, they, you know, whatever. He'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, uh, you know, 
my dad helped me out too. Um, we applied for uh, for acceptance from a high school here um, in uh, in a city called Mesquite. It's a suburb of Dallas, Texas. What made and, you pick that? Um, you know, I was trying to. Uh, we, I think my my dad had a friend that they were here, so they were able to okay. go and. And ask, and so they accepted me as like exchange student. Oh, perfect, perfect. Okay. Yeah, that way. So I was able to get a visa. Okay. And uh, you know, I did it all legally. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we love. We love to hear. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's how I got visa. He gave me twelve hundred dollars, bought my ticket. I got my bag. I got my camera, and uh, and came to United States. I flew here on my own. I didn't speak the language. I knew a few words. Wow. Um, and uh, um, started my uh, started my life. But um, uh, I can tell you a little story about how when I arrived here, what happened. And um, I, basically, I remember when the when the airplane landed um, here, uh, on, in a, and it was a, it was a snowy day in Dallas. Uh, it was night. It was at eleven o'clock at night. And I was just telling myself, "Okay, now now what?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, my dad, before I leave, my my dad taught me a few sentences in English that I memorized and practiced them. He says, "You know, when you get off the plane, ask for a taxi." You know, I want a taxi, so I got a taxi. And uh, another one. Once I got into a taxi, you know, the next line was, "I want to go to Holiday Inn." So <laughs> I want to go to Holiday Inn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was speaking back then. And then <laughs> so I remember the, the the taxi driver turned around and asked me like which holiday in. I Pick know one. that now I know that's what he was asking yeah. me, but I just repeated again, you know, that I want to go to holiday in. So so he took me to the closest one and I got a room and the next morning uh, I got a taxi again and uh, and uh, uh, went to a, a, a UTD and had an English language school. Um the next morning and signed up to uh, just, you know, uh, study the language and just learn it. That was step one. Um, and there I, I met a couple of people that um, that uh, spoke my language and they asked me, hey, when did you get here? And I said, last night. They said, do you have a place? I said, no. And they said, look, there's three of us. We have a full furnished three-bedroom apartment, but one of us is leaving. So there's a the room available. Are you interested? And I said, yes, of course. So, um, so the next night... Um, I actually had a place and, you know, when God few necessary things and, um, yeah. and, uh, started going to, uh, to the language school and, um, uh, and we're talking about 40 years ago now. And, uh, and, it yeah, was and so I was going to bring that up because once again, I always like to do this and remind people, especially because a lot of the people who will listen have no concept of pre cell phone, pre internet time. So I want you yeah. to, anybody in that era just listening, I want you to imagine your cell phone dies, your internet crashes, and you're in another country with no phone, no internet. Say the internet in the whole country crashes, right? And you have to find your way by speaking to people, calling people, looking at maps and books. And it's, it's an entirely different level of challenge that, and you just did it at 15 years old. Yeah, and, and uh, so cool. <laughs> thank you. So, um, so now you know. Now I'm 16, and um, um, I actually started working um, at a machine shop uh, three weeks after I was here. Met someone who um, kind of saw 
you know, noticed me as, as someone who probably needs help or, or he needed, he needed, um, uh, so, um, so I started working in a machine shop, um, metal shop and, uh, saved my money, um, worked there for about eight months, uh, so I can buy a car and I was able to, uh, my car so I could get around and then I went in and uh, registered at the high school you know they were expecting me and so I started uh, the high school and and you know finished that um, went to college and you know and I continued working on the side obviously to support myself now shortly after I uh, uh, came to the United States there was a um, uh, there was the revolution in Iran unfortunately yeah wow. Where these murderers took over, um, the mullahs took over and completely, you know, took the country back 1,400 years, and uh, and uh, it, immediately after that, um, uh, Iran was attacked by Saddam in Iraq, um, and so they fought eight years. So just everything wow. there. Yes, it was a revolution. Then it was the war and. Um, and, uh, you know, there was hardly any, any kind of communications and everything. Um, uh, but, yeah. you know, I continued with my life here. And, and, you know, 18, really took 18 years before I was able to see my family. 18 years. Yeah. And, I mean, were you able to speak with them in that time frame? You could call them? Once in a while, I was able to actually uh, make a phone call. I would go, you know, to like a a phone booth. We had phone booth back then. Yes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and called, I remember it was $4 a minute then. Um, wow. It was four, so it was, it was just to, you know, tell my parents, especially mom, Hey, I'm okay. Everything's okay here. How are you? And that was it. Um, wow. once a month, once every couple of months, just to make a communication or I would send a letter and things like that. So it took a while for, for, that part of the world to kind of settle down a little bit. Um, and that was, uh, yeah. That, so, I mean, you're here trying to create your new life and you're worried that your family is trapped back yeah, there with all this going on. Trapped there with their stories, you know, that I heard was just amazing and horrible and what they had to go through, you know, through the war and, and the revolution, both. Um, and, uh, you know, especially they lived in the south of, uh, of Iran, southwest, which was closer to, to Iraq. So they got bombed a lot and they had to be in shelters. Obviously there was like no food or anything. Uh, oh it was just, yeah, it destroyed a good portion of a lot of people's life. And, and 1 million people also in, from Iran that died in the war with Saddam. Um, yeah. Crazy. So. I imagine they were at least then somewhat relieved that you were here you know, to know that your child is at least safe. Yeah, and, at least and, they knew that here, you know, and just I continued with my education and um, and my work. Huh. Um, you know, once I was, I actually, I was in the first year of college when uh, I started my business. I, since I grew up with camera, I was able to get work and, 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 you know, support myself a little bit there and, and just work on the side designs and stuff, um, uh, for some printing companies, uh, you know, through college and things like that. Um, so until I finished, you know, college and, uh, but 
you know, by then my business was doing better and I was able to uh, totally support myself. Crazy. I mean, it's just, I, I, I always stop because, I mean, you think about all the things that we just go about and take for granted and how hard it is. You know, you look at, I, again, I have the four uh, teenage boys now who are going to be going to college and launching on the world. They're easing out into that. And I know the challenges that they face and I worry about them. You know, it's a competitive job market. There's all these challenges. There's all this. But then you look at people. It's why I love sharing the stories because you look at, you did all this. I mean, first you come here legally. The first thing you do is study a language and learn a language, find a job, find your way through and land in the area where you need to land just because you like some voice inside you told you that this is where you belong and this is what you need to do. I mean, yeah. And, and, and you just, and I, you, you listened and you, you did it. Yeah. And you see the opportunity, obviously, you know, you can, to me, if once I decided to move here, I wanted to embrace the, 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 the culture, the, um, the, the whole style of living and the language and everything. I was so thankful that I'm here. Um, so, um, so I wanted to blend in. Um, I felt that way inside anyway. Um, and then during, during, during Shah's regime, when Shah of Iran, you know, existed, um, they were the best allied of the United States. And, right. uh, and unfortunately, didn't get supported. And that was during the Carter time when, uh, when completely he turned his back to, to Shah. And, uh, and then, you know, all these uh, mullahs came. They've been ruling for 40 years now, and they've been killing everyone and stealing all the money, and it's a whole different story. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully that's the end of them now because a lot's going on these days. Um, uh, but again, um, I, I, I wanted to be belong here, so I did everything. I even remember in high school when uh, in my government uh, class, my teacher was, uh, was telling everyone else, look at him. He just passed. And he's not even speaking the language as good as you guys, you know, and, and he just passed. What's wrong with you guys? Oh, my God. And did he, you get beat up that day? I, <laughs> no. no, people were you know, really, you know, really okay, good. good. And, um, you know, I had a lot of friends and, and still see me. I, I, I had a couple of uh, uh, friends uh, that they approached me and became friends. They kind of took me under their wing and they, they taught me um, – you know things and took me around and uh they were wonderful you know actually to 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 girls that were friends and um um i was still in touch and then now they're like so proud of me and they see from the guy yeah. who said that didn't speak english and now you know like i have an emmy you know kind of like the whole american dream basically yes but, i love that you said that yes perfect <laughs> it's it's wonderful um uh, obviously it wasn't as, as easy and as fast as that I explained it being right. here, you know, I had my challenges, but, um, I stayed focused on it and I knew, uh, what my goal was, um, you know, um, for a teenager, for anyone young, it's very easy to go to the wrong path because it's a lot more attractive, uh, especially if you don't have no one to tell you what's right, and what's wrong. Right. So I just, I was on my own. Even, um, even in high school, I didn't even have a guardian or anything, you know, or obviously no. So I remember one time I was, uh, I was six, so I couldn't go to school. And when I was called in and they asked me how come my parents didn't call, you know, I said, well, I don't have anyone here. So wow. there's nobody to call. Um, and, uh, 
you know, the, the principal knew about it, but assistant principal still could not ex, you know, uh, accept it and says, no, they still have to call no matter what. So, <laughs> so then I got nice. you know, a friend to call. He was older and he would just call <laughs> and say, you know, that they, it was okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wonder what, how that would be addressed now. I feel like you that know, would be different now, you know, but if yeah, there's a 15 year old here and without someone, I, I don't know, is that even permitted now with the school's? Well, it wasn't permitted, you know, to have yeah. your own apartment wasn't permitted. Right. I had my own apartment, uh, you know, even in high school, but I had to do what I had to yeah. do. I, I, wild. That is wild. When I was like, I, I, I was 17 and I spent a year away as an exchange student and in the middle of that time, I took a train from Denmark to Belgium, also with no phone or anything like that, like no internet. I thought that was kind of badass. It's the middle of the night. It's, I'm in Germany and nobody speaks Danish or English. And I didn't know what train to get on. And I picked one that said Paris because I knew somebody in Paris. I figured if I wind up in Paris, I'll go. Like, And that to me was a pretty wild kind of crazy thing to do. right? But when I put it up next to your story, I knew yeah. I had people on the other end that were there helping me and do that all the way. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind and put it in perspective of you being this age person and going out there and doing that on your own. And I keep harping on these points because we always want to harp on the fact that you got to just go for it and take those chances and and follow that voice inside of you and know that there's going to be struggles. It's going to be hard. You're going to have times where you're homesick or you're sad or you doubt it, right? And you just, what do you do? Like, you burned your bridges behind you. I bur- you know, like you couldn't go back. You had to, you had to stay. So, um, yeah, I couldn't go back and I yeah. didn't want to go back. Right. Uh, but and, do you think that makes a difference then? Do you think knowing that you couldn't go back helped you mentally drive forward? Because there was no, like that wasn't even an option. You know when people get tired or they want to quit, they know they can quit. They can stop working out. They can have that cake. They can stay at the same shitty job, right? But that wasn't an option for you. So do you think no, that helped drive you forward? I no, That wasn't what was driving me forward, honestly. Like yeah. even if... Uh, the, the country was still in a good shape. I still wouldn't have gone back because I was home. To me, uh, I was home. You know, yeah. and and look, I, I again, I had my challenges. I ran into people to help me out, and I had people that were totally against me just because I came from another, you right. know, part of the world. So I faced both. Um, but... But I knew, like, even even those people were, for the first time, I, I couldn't understand why. And I had one of, like, some of the teachers even in high school were, they're like, you know, mean to me and going, well, why are you here? And that kind of stuff. And uh. I had some other teachers were extremely good to me and understanding and helped me out. Um, they knew my situation. But even, even when I faced that, um, I knew that I'm in their home. I'm in their land. So, uh I need to be accepted. It wasn't like I wasn't expecting them to just love me just because I came over here, you know. Right. So I wanted to make sure I be the kind of person that they allow here and they be happy to have here. Right. And good uh, point. And Those me, are good points. Yeah. Um. So it didn't really bother me because again, I felt like, well, I'm the one who came here, and uh, and I can't mm-hmm. just expect. Um, and uh, so, you know, and, and, and I have met so many wonderful people uh, along the way. And, and look, as a person, you're going to see good people, bad people, no yeah. matter what part of the world you're in. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't just call everyone 
you know, names and, and say, well, they were racist or this and that. No, I probably would have questioned someone as well, too, personally, if, if, if I was in their position. Um, but, you know, I look at their character to see who they are first before anything else. Um, so, so uh, you know, I mean, I, one of the reason again, one of the reason I'm just so supportive of, you know, United States and still so obviously so in love with it um, is just because of all the opportunities that was given to me. And, and um, I couldn't ask for, you know, a better place. And I've traveled throughout the whole world now and I still come back and kiss the ground. Yeah. Good to know. So you mentioned something we need to go back to. Uh, you have an Emmy and yes. you weren't just handed that because you got here. So this 15-year-old boy has his dream, has his vision, leaves his homeland and his family behind, comes to another country, learns the language, gets a job, goes to school, finds the career path he wants, sticks to it, and now has an, a freaking Emmy. <laughs> so talk about that. How did you? How did that come about? What was the Emmy for? And, um, and what was what's the nomination process? How did you do all that? And how yeah, did you find out you got an Emmy? Well, it was, uh, um, uh, you know, actually the, the Emmy that I got was for, uh, it was like a documentary, but it was a behind the scene thing, like a making of, it was right. a making of for a film for a short film. It's a, it was about two young guys that were in college and in film, you know, uh, film college. And then, uh, they made a short film, but the visual effects in it were just as good as Hollywood effects that they did it on their computers, you know, at, at uh, in their living room. And so it was uh, like a story on them and, uh, you know, that are shot. So the producers of that, that they wanted to uh, enter in, in Emmy, they thought, hey, this is good. We feel like we have a chance. And I thought, OK, when they told me, I said, sure, but look, I've done much bigger stuff than that. You know, so so anyway, it got nominated. And when I got nominated, I didn't even tell anybody. But then then it then I won, which has been wonderful. And someone actually told me, says, look, you know, you won this for for not for that, for everything you've done so yes. far. Look at yeah. it that way, you know, um, you know, so it's like you you've been noticed. Mm -hmm. For your work, not necessarily just for that, um, you know. So that's uh, you know, I'm I'm proud of it, and and it has uh, has made obviously impact also in my career as well. And you know, you try to always live up to the expectations. Yeah, it's a great credential to have, and it is something. It sets the bar high because once you win that, I mean, you can't go back from that. You can't slide right, and that can't be your single accomplishment you know you, there's always more to do after that so it pushes you again even further like all right i got an emmy check like what now I'm like what's you know? <laughs> you know what's next oh wait i know what's next i'm gonna make friends with chuck freaking norris and i'm gonna hang out with him <laughs> so how did that happen <laughs> um i met chuck actually uh uh one time at a at a, at a restaurant and um and I just like did my first film and he was in Dallas, uh, just did the pilot for Walker, Texas Ranger. Okay. So, and I just made this small, you know, small budget film with no one famous in it. And, uh, you know, sat next to him and talked, kind of told him, you so know, you see I, Chuck Norris in a restaurant and you sit down next to him and start talking about actually the, work. 
the manager of the the restaurant knew me, and so when I went there, he says, "Hey, Chuck Norris oh, is here. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to introduce you to okay. him." So he introduced me, and he was very nice and uh, gracious, and you know, so we sat and talked. You know, so I'm I'm talking about my film that I just you know. It's a little film, and he's talking about the the Walker uh, uh, pilot that they did, yeah. and so that was the first time that I met him. And then obviously, you know, Walker took off. You know, my I was able to actually sell that little film that I did to HBO, which that took me one notch, you know, and got me closer to my uh, yeah, my awesome, book. also no small feat to get that done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, but. Um, you know, I, uh, I I was able to do some work on uh, on Walker as well too, and um, you know, and I had my studio on the side, was doing my my stuff, um, and um, you know, did several videos for for Chuck Norris. Uh, did a did like a documentary on um, on a foundation that he has for years, which uh, uh, George Bush Senior actually uh, helped him get it off the ground. Uh, it's called Kickstart, and it teaches the inner city uh, kids um, in martial arts. So, you know, they learn respect and discipline and things like that. It's a wonderful. That's awesome. I didn't know that about Chuck Norris, so that's yeah. pretty cool. I'm making a note because, you know, follow up on that one. But, uh, yeah. that's, um, yeah, awesome. So, so then, uh, then, um, uh, also, then his son was, was introduced to me, uh, actually from somebody else. And wanted to do a film, and they brought me into producing and directed uh, called Bells of Innocence. And so I did that. That was, uh, and Chuck also played in it. Um, you know, that went well. Then uh, the producer, you know, wanted me to produce another film. Um, and just kind of like, you know, the relationship got better, and, and he's such a nice person and a good man. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, we did a lot of work together, a lot of different projects. Also did um, um, a sport TV show on kickboxing called World Combat League that uh, Versus picked it up. He told me about the idea and I did a sizzle reel on it, put it out there and got picked up. That's how that one went. Um, awesome. So it's a relationship. And he even, uh, even just this last Thanksgiving, he invited me to his house. Uh, he lives in a ranch. Yeah, why and- not? Yeah, it was you know his family, immediate family, and and me. So uh, it's it was just wonderful to have him. I know, and I told you I forgive you for not having Chuck Norris on my voicemail saying Happy Thanksgiving. You know, Monsoon, who we talk about a lot of American snippets, uh, William Miyaga, our favorite Marine. He was it happened to be my birthday weekend one time, and he was at an event with Sean Connery, and he posted a picture of himself with Sean Connery. I'm like Monsoon, what the hell? Where is my birthday call? And I'm totally kidding, right? Five minutes later, my phone rings, or I get a text from Monsoon, don't answer your phone. And it's Sean Connery, which I still have the voicemail now, <laughs> saying, you know, happy birthday, you know, I'm going to go have another drink or whatever. And, and it's so funny. So, uh, yeah, you get a pass this time. But next time you have Thanksgiving with Chuck Norris, I expect a voicemail from Chuck Norris saying happy Thanksgiving. I'll part. make sure that happens. <laughs> but more importantly, I, I like to like, mess around with what I do. I have a short attention span, I think. But more importantly, you, here's another thing that you touched on. And so it can be very tempting when you run into somebody or your past cross with somebody who maybe you look up to or you feel could be a good connection or could do this, right? What do you think would have happened if you walked in and said, oh, my gosh, Chuck Norris, thank you. I'm so glad to meet you. Do you think you could help me with my film? Or do you think, you, right? That's not how it, how it goes. What is the importance of just of, of remembering that no matter who the person is, they're a person, right? And they have huge demands on their time. 
you have to add value to somebody's life. You can't just go and say, Hey, Mr. You know, rock star or celebrity, why don't you help me? You know, um, right. it's yeah. so I, important I, to build a relationship and just appreciate people for being people first. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, um, uh, yeah, I didn't ask him for help when I met yeah. him. It was just, you know, just meeting him. I mean, I grew up watching his movies. Right. So to be able to just meet him was fantastic. And then, you know, a few years later, being able to direct Chuck Norris, you know, was just a I dream. Mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how much more American can you get? Right? <laughs> I know. So here's this kid from Iran who grows up and now he's telling Chuck Norris what to do. I freaking love it. Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> hey, Chuck, I, no, no, that was Chuck, not okay. No, yeah. fix it. No. You want to kick my ass? I'm going to kick your ass. You fix it. It's so great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I directed Chuck Norris and I didn't get kicked in my face. <laughs> that's awesome. You, that's a good t-shirt. Yeah. Give me the yeah, t-shirt I, or, the, or the coffee mug. So, all right, we can move on move on from Chuck Norris because I know it's old, but I just think it's a super fun story. Uh, now, you are working on something that you are as excited about. You are working on your own film, Flip Turn? Yes, yes. The the new project uh, is is a family film, a very heartwarming yeah. family film um, uh, called Flip Turn, which is a swimming term. Uh, it's a story of a autistic teenage boy who becomes a swimming champion and it's uh what is it like you know defiled odds and just the underdog kind of a karate kid sort of uh like a you know, kind of yeah karate yeah, kid yeah. you feel good yeah. and and you know going through challenges and and triumph um it's, it is a fantastic film uh fantastic story that uh right now we're been casting and we're in a pre-production so pulling all the elements together mm -hmm. uh, to start filming uh, for the end of August. How exciting is that? It's very exciting. You it's know, like it's a whole uh, adventure. It is. It is. I love what I do. I'm so lucky. I feel so fortunate, honest to God. Like, it's a dream. I'm still living my dream. I mean, that's what puts a smile on my face. Yeah. And I'll thank God every day, you know, that God, thank you, God, for like giving me the health and giving me the mind and giving me the good people around me and give me the opportunity that I can do what I'm doing. I mean, what I love to do, no matter how hard I've worked, I don't know that I'm working hard. I'm not tired. Yeah, because you love everything, what you're doing. And that I, I can tell you is true. Every time I've seen you over the years, even if there's something stressful going on in your life, um, which, you know, there has been in some occasions, you're still, like, you still have a smile on your face and you're still like, well, you know, this is going on and this is stressing me out, but look at all these other amazing things I have going on. And I think that's something I really love and appreciate about you that you, you have that mindset and you constantly like snap yourself around and then you just walk around. I mean, you're at these events, you and Bob Vincent are working forever, all hours of the clock, right? And you're dragging the camera, holding this meeting in and out, but you're still like, hey, what's up? And you got a smile for everyone. It's so cool. Sure. Right? And sure. what that does, the energy you put out, I think, is what you're getting back. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I Because I'm happy to be there. Yeah. I'm glad to be like among all those families and uh, or other events where I have other veterans and because I have learned a lot. Honestly, I've grown a lot during that 10 years that I've met um, these wonderful people and veterans and their families. And, and even when I talk to some of the wounded soldiers and, you know, seeing them and asking them, like, how do you 
deal with that. And when they tell me like, Hey, it's not about what I lost is what I have now. Yeah. And, um, that just like totally, you know, you know, like a, 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 a light bulb in my head. And I was like, you know, look at how they're looking at things yes. and, um, and look at, you know, look how much we have and we're not, um, seeing it. So, yeah. um, so it just opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff and I've, and I've, you know, learned and the, from their strength and, you know, become a stronger person and stay positive, you know, and again, always stay focused on what you're doing and, and keep your faith. Yeah. And that is another important point. It is, um, the people that you come into contact with and the people you choose to listen to and the messages you choose to listen to. When you're surrounded by people who have that mindset, who who are constantly saying, like, yes, oh, no, I lost this arm. I lost my buddy. I lost my husband. I lost uh, something you know, terrible has happened. But look at everything I have and look at what I'm doing. It, it can't help but seep into you. When you're, when you're constantly exposed to a message that is repeating itself, is repeating itself, that message is going to seep into you. But if you surround yourself with the opposite message of people – you know, who insist on staying down and want to stay down and tell you, you can't do this. You can't do this. whatever message you surround yourself with is what's going to seep into you. And exactly. yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. Uh, it, you make it a point to surround yourself with people who have the message that you need to hear and want to hear. And then you're sending that message back out to, because I know a lot of people who bump into you like, there's nothing he's smiling again. You know, <laughs> so it works and people notice it. Uh, it and it's, it really yeah. does, Barbara, and I, and, I, and I try to inspire young people that I meet from the ones that they come work for me or I meet yeah. them anywhere, and I try to, to, to tell them about all the opportunities they have here, but they don't know. See, they're born here. Mm-hmm. They have a clue what they have here. Right. I believe every person in high school should be part of the high school, that they should travel, especially to overseas country to um, to like third world countries, yeah. and spend at least a, a, a month there right. and you know obviously supervise and everything but just so they can see they can see what they have yeah. they can see how others live and it's going to make a big difference to a lot of them um sure. just so they know what they have and yeah. and uh, so when someone tells them they're a victim they need to know no they're not a victim no one's a victim you can make yourself victim right. and that's a great excuse for you to just sit back and go well i'm never going to be nothing because i'm a victim right. i'm done right. you know give it to me no you're not a victim if if i can do it here if i can come here without knowing the language having anybody around me and make yeah. it then honestly it's so much easier for the person who's born here yeah. um you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, no matter what, what part of the country, what neighborhood they're born in or anything like that, it's, it's there for you. You just got to go get it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and you have a young daughter. How old is she? She's 12 now, about to be 13 now. She's 12. Yeah. And so, I mean, does she get to come to work with you? And I'm sure you, you instill this message in her too. Right? Oh, she's yes. she's got to see what you're doing and she's got to love it and, you know, be excited by it. Yes, she's yeah. very excited. She, you know, grew up obviously coming on the set and seeing, and you know, so she, she actually made at like age of ten, she made uh, one short film. Love it. That one festival, she made the second one at age of eleven. Again, one. What? And, uh, That's yeah, awesome. You know, she writes the story herself and she directs it. I just shoot it for her. She basically tells me what to shoot, and she, <laughs> you know, 
it's so much fun That's not just great. in terms of I want it to be her thing. Yeah. And uh and again I'm 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 blessed to have her in my life. Um she's a wonderful, wonderful person. She understands. Um uh, I started bringing her to uh to uh, uh, to the Snowball Express. Uh, I think the first time was she was five, and the first time mm-hmm. that I brought her in, you know, and and just expose her to everything. She's uh, no, she knows what it is. Uh, it just the last Skyball. Um, uh, she was with me as we walk around, and so many people approached me and said hi to me, and and almost everyone turned around to her and says, "Hey, your dad is a great guy. He's cool. He's you know, we're proud of oh, him and this stuff." That's awesome. She felt so good, and she mentioned it later to me. She goes, Dad, you so loved. Everyone just said, Aww. you know, it made me feel really good that I have a dad like you. And that was like priceless. Oh, yes. Yeah. Priceless. <laughs> priceless, priceless. And I know that's not why you do what you do. Um, you've donated probably hundreds and hundreds of hours. If you stack them all up, like months and months on end of time and services, you've donated to the organizations I know, Snowball Express and Skyball, which is the Air, American Airlines Air Power Foundation uh, event to raise money for organizations that support military families, right? And you are there with Bob Vincent a lot, the two of you, but what do you do for them? And how did that happen? How did you get involved in that? And why do you choose to continue donating your time? You know, the time is money and there's one thing to donate an hour or two or whatever, but I mean, you're, you're all in. You don't need a lot of time. Well, compared to what they've done, their sacrifice for for me and and all the other Americans, that's nothing. A few hours or hundreds of hours or thousands of hours is nothing compared to that. What they've gone through, what they've done, it's peanuts what I do. Like I wish I could do more. And I mean that's how I, I can give a little compared to what they've done uh, just to say thank you and just to hopefully help it continue yeah uh, you know continue what they're doing um so so i'm i'm honored to do it like i don't really look at it as you know hundreds of hours or thousands of hours it's it's nothing again just nothing i'm having fun with it i'm learning from it too i'm i'm happy to be with them um uh, you know i i remember one time um we were getting a helicopter ride, and I had four Marines with me, you know, wounded Marines. And, and I mean, you know, when we started flying uh, uh, above Vegas, they were getting a tour, and I was, you know, covering it, getting some uh, footage and stuff. You know, I mean, I literally, I look, and I go, look at me. You know, I'm in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so fortunate. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, it helps me. What an do- awesome moment continue um the way i got introduced to it um bob vincent a very good friend of mine uh who's been involved with this thing for many many years himself um he told me about uh, snowball express and uh, so i went out there you know to help him out and shoot some stuff and i just fell in love with it and and i was hooked after that i was back every year and every event yeah. that involved veterans and somehow it was a giving back to them uh, from Skyball to uh, salute the soldiers and, and everything else. However I could, you know, I was there. Awesome. So 
We're going to get to our last few questions that we like to ask here in a minute, but I want to, I want to circle back because we touched on it and then we moved on because I probably got distracted. Your movie again, flip turn. Uh, I, I really want to, I want to talk about this because you're also, you're in your beginning stages, but you're also raising capital for it. And yes. you have uh, efforts made because every film takes funding. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to pay for. And you had mentioned that part of what you're, your interest in this is, is raising awareness for autism and what people with autism and their families uh, may face and the beauties of it and the struggles of it. But um, if there was an organization that was dedicated to these families and to autism awareness, and they were interested in reaching out to you to somehow get involved or participate in this, would you be interested in that? I'd be very interested in it. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Like you said, um, uh, making a film, especially if you're trying to do a quality film, you know, it's very expensive. Um, even though I, I own, a, you know, the facility, cameras, lights and everything, but still a lot of people involved, such as um, uh, the crew, actors, you know, the food, locations and things like that. There's so many things, you know, from the sound to music to all the elements involved with the film. You know, it, it just takes money to do it, it takes money to, to right. do a good film. So, yes, we're still raising capitals. We've got uh, we've got about half of it and we still need more. So um, we're open to from donations or anyone wants to come in and, and become a co-producer on the film and help out uh, in any way they could bring funding to it. Awesome. Or what if there were and I always get my brain going um, quicker sometimes and it, sh it shouldn't come out of my mouth, but it's going to. Right. So but like, what if there were uh, students? with autism, right, who wanted to be extras, like if you have a scene of a swim event, right, um, what if people could sponsor a student to be an extra in that, and you could have a whole audience of children with autism, um, you know, as as part of that. I don't know if that would work or be feasible, but there's so many creative ways you can go about doing sure. that and including the community, you know, with autism um, in it to really just build and just be this epic moment yes because there's yeah. a lot a lot of new discoveries about autism and yeah. everything so and so it's good to shine a light on it right and, and and show kind of a different side that like hey they can achieve things as well um and so that stereotype thing go away and because uh, a, a lot of people don't really know about it right. you know they've heard the word but they they're not really educated so we're just trying to raise awareness with a film which is Based, you know, on, on a true story, there's actually um, autistic kids that they swim. And um, and so, yeah, if you, you know, talking about bringing, you know, some of them or anything like that. Yes, that's that's fantastic. And, and we're going to have some of them actually uh, uh, come out from the uh, um, uh, the swimming. The, one of the locations that they we're booking, they actually uh, mentioned that. There is uh, there is a, a, a team of autistic you know kids. Oh, see, I'm genius. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, any, any, yeah. I mean, we could use any type of help or right. any kind of support. It's fantastic. It, you know, it could be um, uh, companies or it could be a restaurant that says, "Hey, we're gonna we'll provide the food for a couple of days for right. yourself." You know, right. you guys are shooting for a whole month. Um, or any any kind of donations, anything helps. Anything just keeps the uh, uh, project go forward. Again, these are independent films, and, and yeah. so 
we're not working with Hollywood budgets. We're, you know, but we do put out quality work. Yeah. And because you can then choose the content of that film and this is an important story to get out. You know, it'll, I think it'll do great things for the um, community of people with autism and their families. So I think it'll be great if somebody wanted to get involved, wanted to get more information or, um, wanted to send information to somebody else, where can they go for information? Is there anywhere out there yet? Uh, I can I can give you my website and I can okay. give you my email. Also, they could contact me and I'll be glad to um, contact them. I can give you phone number, everything. Um, my website is makingfilms.com. Okay. Makingfilms.com. Making uh, my email is kingbijan at yahoo.com, which is K-I-N-G-B-I-J-A-N at yahoo.com. Perfect. Uh, so, and we'll put links to these in, in the article that we're going to put out and we'll do regular updates and we'll put it out on our Facebook page and Instagram and our community. And we'll see if we can't get our community involved in this, right? Someone out there is going to want to get involved and you'll keep us notified as your film progresses. Of course, of and course. Know. And then we'll get you to come to New York and do a screening. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. So our last round of questions here. We talk a lot about the American dream and you've talked a lot about the American dream, but I'm going to ask you to kind of sum it up a little more. Um, if somebody says, Hey, what does the American dream to you mean to you? Your answer would be. Um, is, is chasing your dream yeah. and be successful at it. And, um, that's, and, but putting the effort in it, if you're willing to put the effort in it, the opportunity is there. It's, it's, it's the physics law. It cannot go mm -hmm. to waste. If you put it in there, somehow it will pay off. And um, I'm an example of it. And I was an underdog. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so it, the American dream exists. And I think we're the only country who have that. Yeah, and, and a lot of young people don't know. And unfortunately, the rhetoric's out there. Somehow it's like they make it cool for these young people not to like the country. And, and that's so wrong. That is so wrong. I think what the mistake they're, make, they're making, they're making a mistake between the ruling parties and their land. Yes. You know what I mean? So if you don't like the ruling parties, hey, you can vote. Okay? Get involved and vote if you don't like it. Um, but it's, but you got to love your land. You know, that is, that is different, you know, yes. because it's going to change every four to eight years. It's going to change, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, so love your land first and then do something about it. If you don't like it, don't just sit back and go, well, I don't, I don't like it. I hate it and this and that because you think you're cool. Yeah. Good. Perfect. Now, uh, if you could reach back all those years to when you were 22 years old, something you wish you'd known then that you know now, what would you reach back in time and say to yourself, Hey, heads up. Oh God. Uh, you know, with, <laughs> um, PG, PG or PG 13 or just go for it. <laughs> so with, with, with age, with, with age comes wisdom. Yes. You know, so, um, so I learned to, uh, maybe be a little bit more patient um, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I obviously we were all in, in our life. I wish, I wish every decision we made was the right decision. Um, but, um, 
um, you know, I don't have anything that I'm regretting, you know, okay. uh, I, I honestly, I'm not regretting anything, but, uh, but again, I've, I've matured obviously <laughs> throughout all these years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, since, uh, since again, since my uh, my college time, I've been involved and in pushing for my career, and at the same time, I try to give back and and be an example as well too, um, and and just treat people the same way I want to be treated. Perfect. So, if you could pick up your phone today and call someone, anybody in the whole world who's still alive. And spend the rest of the day with hang out and talk and get to know who you have not met yet. Who would it be? Oh, have not met yet? Yep. Um, I will call probably Trump. Okay, good one. <laughs> what would you say to him? Or what would you want to talk about? Um, you know, I, I, I would support him. You know, um, I would say I would thank him for what he's done in his mission. And I would just tell him to just kind of stay strong and and um, and, and not let all these uh, rhetorics and all this stuff get to him. Um, that's probably what I would do. And again, look, I'm an immigrant. OK, yes. so so one of the things that, that, that unfortunately some people, you know, maybe hate about him is this whole immigration stuff. Right. And he's not saying no one should come here. He's just saying they need to be better out. They need to, the good people come over. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, everyone locks their door at night, okay, or during the day. And and why can't we, I mean, the borders are the doors to our homes. Right. So I don't understand what's the big deal about it, or it's just an excuse Again, I'm not, I'm not, it's just not about parties right and left whatsoever right. because I'm pretty middle type of person anyway. I mean, I'm in entertainment business. Um, so, yeah. so I have ideas that are conservative and I have ideas that, that may be liberal. So I'm, you know, there's things that I like on both. So I'm, I'm pretty much center uh, right. when it comes to stuff like this, but, but, but things that he says, I agree with. I mean, he wants just a better country and he just wants you to love your country and, and, and make it better. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Perfect. Well, we'll, uh, we'll tag him in this and maybe you're following. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, a for all you do. That's how I got to know you. And, uh, and B for sitting down with us here today, being a part of American snippets, which is my baby. Um, and I love so much. So, um, you know, we're very selective about the people we let in into our, our worlds to, to be part of our babies. You know? so, so thank you for being among that group. Thank you, Barbara. I am honored. Thank you so much. This 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 was fantastic. And, and thank you for doing this. You know, yeah. we need more people like you. We really do. We need more people that are, you know, patriots and 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 also put the message out. And uh, God bless you, and I hope you're successful at everything that you do. Oh, you thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, like you said, you got to love the land first, right? So that's what we're doing here. That's exactly what we're doing. We're just reminding people, politics aside, you know, patriotism is not about politics. Um, you know, everybody has a choice into how much they love this country and how much they're going to do to make it the country they want it to be. So this, is, this is our part uh, in doing 
our vision, how we see it. And we love that you're a part of it. So thank you. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. I'm, um, and I'll just say a quick, quick story again, just yes. again, uh, from someone like me that's here and I was able to, um, uh, be at President Bush Senior's house, get on his boat, have just conversation, you know, and he drove me in his golf cart. And I, again, it's one of those moments <laughs> where I go, the president is driving me around. In a golf you know, cart with the president. In a golf cart. It's just me. And <laughs> I did him. not know that. We're going to have to have you back to say I, how, how that one happened. That's, that's, you know, it's all part of the thing. That's I fun. got to play a fake guitar with ACDC on stage in a concert. What? All right, we're definitely we're part two. Everybody stick stick around because we're gonna have this guy back because he's got way more stories that we didn't even touch on. He's been holding out on us. So uh, yeah, pencil that in. 20, uh, 2019, you'll be back and you'll give us an update. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you, Barbara. All right, that wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Would like to personally thank Alain Bijan for joining us as well. If you want to follow Alain Bijan on social media, please do so at Instagram. You can do that at Instagram.com forward slash Alain Bijan. So it's A L I N B I J A N. And if you enjoyed his story, and you want to learn more about Alon, uh, head on over to americanstippets.com forward slash 052. You can read the full write-up that Barbara did on Alon and his story. Watch the full interview that we did with Alon and get some other uh, social mo- social media links and things that you can use to follow him and uh, engage with everything that he's doing. Uh, again, if you got value out of today's episode, please leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. Share this on social media at American Snippets. Make sure you tag us, uh, and we will see you on the next episode. Uh, Remember, don't just be inspired by our guests, but let their stories ignite you into action in your own life. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 